0: Welcome to the Road to Wellville podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Terrell. Together, we will explore our own wellness journeys, nurturing body, mind, and spirit. Join me as I talk to top wellness professionals from all over the world with a wide range of backgrounds and specialties. I invite you to discover, discuss, and design your own path on the Road to Wellville. Welcome listener, today I am so excited to talk with Jeff Perlman. Jeff is a top chef who studied at Cordon Bleu and worked in restaurants for 15 years before going on to study Iyengar yoga in India and becoming an Iyengar instructor and Arya yoga therapist. He is a clinical Ayurvedic and Panchakarma specialist and a registered AHG herbalist. Jeff, I am absolutely blown away and I must say a little bit intimidated by all your credentials. You specialize in so many areas that I'm curious about and I'm sure my listener is curious about as well. So I can't wait to dive in and talk Ayurveda and yoga with you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, welcome. It's such a treat. Um, I like to start at the beginning. So I know for a lot of people that are on this healing path, there may have been an early situation or event that set them on this path towards holistic health. So I was wondering, was there an early event in your life that sparked your interest in holistic health?
1: Well, my, I have always been on a path of uh, food. I mean, like all of us, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to help my mother cook and I was so fascinated by cooking. And um my main interest when I graduated from high school was um architecture and then nutrition. And I decided to go in when I went to college. I had a minor in nutrition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and I really didn't know where that was gonna take me. My my interest in holistic actually happened later, but I think mm-hmm. that I've just been on a path. I studied Uh, nutrition in college, but then decided to go off to uh, the cordon bleu uh, cooking school in San Francisco and then in France. And I worked and lived in France for a couple of years and then New York and traveled all over the world and had a professional cooking um, profession. The belief about holistic, I always, for some reason was grounded in nature, in herbs, in food, in the relationship that all this had with our existence. But it really wasn't until I sort of uh, started um, experiencing illness uh, in my life a little bit later that it really kind of took hold. I um, had a brother who, back in the 80s, um, passed away. And he was a yogi. Um, He was only 34 years old when he died I'm so uh, sorry yeah well you know it was back in the days he had AIDS and mm-hmm. it was back in the days when there was only AZT so it was kind of a death sentence once you got it mm-hmm. but my relationship with him was always very strong and he was a very holistic minded person and a yogi since mm-hmm. from the the 70s I mean he's you know where we all kind of thought as yogis is just people that practiced it in India and so forth and he was doing it and Um, you know, he kind of was an inspiration to me, how he finished his life, how he lived his life, um, as a vegetarian for many years and so forth and so on. And so all of this kind of was, and then I, I found illness in my life from a lifestyle as a professional chef, you know, working 80 hours a week, six days a week, you know, holidays, you know, uh, weekends, just working, you know, kind of. Overdoing it in my life for so many years. And I created my own illness, which is the basis of what Ayurveda believes that we all create our own illness based on our actions.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, so all these things kind of fell in place uh, in my life. I got an autoimmune disease when I was in my 40s and I couldn't explain any of it. And then I uh, had an injury. Uh, running a marathon from and I couldn't do that anymore. Um and all this transitioned myself into yoga and then Ayurveda and then herbalism and um and here I am today.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know well, if that answered that question. But-
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Kind of through food and then like you said, uh, through your own injury and illness, uh, I had a similar experience. You know, it was when I started to notice discomfort and disease in my life. When I started to say, Hey, let's, um, maybe try taking my health into my hands and as my own responsibility. And that's when I started working with coaches and looking at, um, sort of integrative ways to, uh, build my health and get a little stronger. Um, so I know uh, yoga that you have a lot of background in is Iyengar yoga. Can you talk to us a little bit about what Iyengar yoga is and what attracted you to this practice?
1: Well, Iyengar yoga is it's that's a big subject. Yoga is a big subject, and yep. you know that's going to transition into Ayurveda because they're sister sciences. Mm. Um, that that they they share the same philosophy called Sankhya. But the father of what's called hatha yoga was named Krinacharya and he lived from around 1890 until like 19 who's was 104 1994. and he was, like I said, he was considered the father of of, of of hatha yoga, which is the all of yoga. and he had three mentors, mentees, excuse mm-hmm. me, in mm-hmm. his practice in life for India. One was Patabi Joyce, mm. who- Ashtanga. Uh, and, yeah, Ashtanga. And the other one was his son, Deshvakarya, mm-hmm. which he developed ashtanga, I mean, excuse me, vinyasa. And then mm-hmm. the third one was Iyengar. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Iyengar um, actually um, was sent to uh, to live with uh, Krishmacharya because his sister was his wife, Krishmacharya's wife. Mm. and Iyengar was born in speaking about a pandemic he was born in 1918
2: Mm. his
1: mother uh was carrying him during the pandemic the great pandemic you know Mm. back then and he was born and he was very sickly and they didn't think he was going to live and one of the last things that they thought could happen for him because they didn't have any money for medicine or anything was they sent him to krismacharya and krismacharya taught him yoga and that's so he comes from the lineage of Prismacharya. Um, and mm. um, basically, Iyengar yoga is Mr. Iyengar. He, uh, he realized that none of us or, you know, 98% of us can't do the final poses in yoga. I mean, mm. if you look at the real poses. So he started creating props mm. and started looking at it energetically and therapeutically. And so like all the yoga props that you see in yoga studios, he designed. He started because he would realize that you know you might need a block to put your hand on or you might need a blanket to sit on to release your inner groins. Or, so he, he created this what's Iyengar yoga and it's more therapeutic. It's slower in nature. Yes, we do vinyasa practice and so forth, but really uh, the majority of my clients are people of my age or middle-aged, um, that you know they need some special attention and so forth, and so um, that's what Iyengar yoga is based in alignment, precision, therapeutics, mm-hmm. um, and the way I got to it was that once I I had broke my foot running that marathon, and you know I believe that you know if when you think about how the mind. Can create illness. You know, I was this chef and I was working 80 or 100 hours a week and I was running, you know, marathons and, you know, I was running six miles a day and then longer. I mean, I was living, I was really pushing the envelope mentally, physically, and spiritually. And what happened was if you've ever run a marathon, is you usually pick the date of the marathon and then you start backing it off and you keep adding more mileage until you're like a week away and you've run 20 miles. And so right before um, this, the New York City Marathon, I was running like a long run one day and I stepped in a pothole and I uh, I hurt my ankle. And my solution to that was that my ex lived in New York and she, I made her give me two cortisone shots and I ended up breaking my foot. And so I only say that is because this was like a surrender. And so what happened is I found Iyengar yoga because I was in a cast and then I, you know, I had this this whole thing about my brother and he had left me the his yoga book. It was always on my shelf and I just decided this was my path. I was going to go, you know, learn to do yoga. And so but I I approached yoga the same way I approached everything else at 250 percent and so every time i would go practice yoga i would hurt myself Mm -hmm. and i would end up a a chiropractor and um my girlfriend at the time was also a yogini and she took me to her iyengar teacher and that began my introduction to therapeutics and being able to fix my body or strengthen my body so i could then practice and you know and then i went into their three-year teacher training program. And that's where I was introduced to. That's Betty right here. Hi. I was, just, <laughs> I was introduced to Ayurveda in uh in this teacher training program. Because every month you had asana practice, philosophy, physiology, anatomy, classes you had to take for three years. It was a very uh, at the Iyengar system can be for some people a little more intense, but yeah, you're it's it's you're very well trained. Right. And the first month out of the gate, I'm sitting in this anatomy class, and there's a woman in front of me who was an Ayurvedic practitioner like myself, and she started telling me about Ayurveda. And like being a chef, I thought I knew everything about you know anything that had to do with food. And she started talking about the the six tastes and the energies in the, in the universe that are connected to the six tastes and I'm going there and I'm thinking what oh my god you know I mean in in culinary school they might talk about the relationship with sweet and sour or pungent foods but what their energies are related to the the universe it I mean like the light bulb went off and that was that was really the beginning where it was like you know, no turning back. I went to Ayurvedic school for three years. I went to herbal school for another two years. I went to massage therapy school so I could do all of the Panchakarma. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of like the whole sequence of how that came about.
0: You've just sparked by curiosity about the six tastes and how they are um, tied to energies in the universe. Can you give us like the Cliff's Notes version on that?
1: Well, the basis of Ayurveda is that there's the five elements in the universe, ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And they are they are um they are defined by what are called gunas. And many yogis know that, that, that the, the the gunas that most yogis know are the mental ones, sattva, rajas and tamas. Those are the relationship of, of our thinking, our so forth on a daily basis but there are 10 opposite gunas that relate to nature like and the most the easiest ones to understand are like hot and cold wet and dry heavy and light and mobile and stable Mm. so if you look at anything around you or what you're sitting on or what the, the what you're drinking you can start defining what the energies are. I mean, that's the simplified way of Mm -hmm. of putting it. Um, And so the six tastes that we have uh, in foods, they have these same energies in them. Plus they have biomedical actions that are used for for health and healing. And that's uh, the connection of the six tastes. The six tastes are connected to the taste buds on your tongue. So, and the taste buds on your tongue are connected to different parts of your digestion. So when you like, if you've ever been to a Indian restaurant or in India, if you've been to India, and sometimes they put a metal plate down in front of you, and there's those little metal bowls on it. Mm. It's called a tali plate. A tali are the six tastes. You're basically eating a representative a representation of these six tastes when you eat a tali, which then make a complete meal and allow the digestion assimilation and elimination to work correctly um Mm -hmm. it's so it's just so fascinating uh Mm -hmm. and simple you know if you just learn about uh and that's the first thing that you know in ayurveda when you work with clients like myself the first thing you do is you you, you treat the mind and you treat digestion. There are other tissues in the body, which, you know, where disease will usually uh, find its way, but you always are starting there, that you start with the mind and you start with digestion. And the food is one of the easiest things to start with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that answer the question? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Know. And I know that there's so much research and it keeps coming out, right, about how the gut and the mind are so connected.
1: Oh, unbelievable! Too, right? It's yeah. unbelievable.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because once you understand what your constitution is, and that's an important part of Ayurveda, is that you know, it, it, it's it, Ayurveda can be a little complicated when you first start understanding it, because what you have is you have to understand what your footprint is. Everyone is different. This is what makes Ayurveda so different: is that we don't look to the symptom. Of course, the symptoms are there, but what's causing the symptom? It's really the root cause of the illness that Ayurvedic physicians look at. Um, Mm -hmm. And so once you understand what your constitution is, which there are the three doshas. So you have the five elements, you have the 10 opposites. So you can define the five elements, what their energies are. And then the three doshas are... Combinations of the five elements, vata, kitta, and kapha. So the three doshas have a, uh, are, the bio, uh, are the, the bio energies in your body. And in Ayurveda, you have to understand what your individual uh, breakdown is of the, or combination of the doshas. And then you understand, you know, that has to do with your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual realms. And then once you understand what your balance is, right, it doesn't mean it's a straight line, right? You have these three doshas and you figure out what your individual balance is. Then as the energies of nature change around you, like the seasons or everything you put in your mouth, whether it's food or spices or drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, um, or mental, emotional, spiritual disharmony, That might happen to you these all can affect your your balance and it Mm -hmm. can raise or lower the doshas and cause imbalance in your body Mm -hmm. i hope that made
0: sense that makes so much sense you're so wise i'm like i'm loving this whole conversation um so what i was thinking was with those six tastes so is the objective to get all six tastes in uh in a meal or is it to balance like what you need based on your constitution
1: well it's both Mm. you know the thing is is that the six tastes will activate or work on different parts of like you know for instance um the sweet taste right the sweet taste is used for um um for breaking down carbohydrates, where pungency and estrogen ast- might be used for proteins. So when you eat when you eat the sixth taste, in uh, in it depends on your your constitution, right? So for someone like if you're more of a fiery kind of personality, right, um, or a, a pitta person, what it would be called,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you you are kind of already running sort of hot. So you don't want to eat too much pungency or too many things, you know, sour foods that are going to make more acidity in your body or more heat in your body. But small amounts, you know, that's why there's balances. Most um, uh, most everyone that goes through any kind of evaluation will get a food list based on their constitution. And every food known to man has been broken down whether they're sweet, sour, salty, pungent, bitter, astringent, hot or cold, and what the after effect is in your body. And so then you can decide which foods are best for you to be eating on a regular basis or a not so regular basis. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it kind of goes well, along has- with like the seasonality too, right, like where you're living. So you're gonna choose the ones from the list that are in season right now where you live too.
1: Well, there's a couple ways to look at look at that. Okay, so in Ayurveda, there's only really three seasons a year: the Vata season, the Pitta season, and the Kapha season. But in in, in um, because they they are in they're either in accumulating in energy or peaking, or then or alleviating, and so they it's always going like this when with the doshas. So once you understand what you're, Balances, then you can kind of see you know if you're more of an airy kind of person which is vata when you come into fall right when fall is lighter and windier and cooler vata has the same uh energies as that so you have more of a chance of increasing so Mm -hmm. to answer your question um it depends on the persons you're always trying to um in the big picture you want to be giving people like a food list or foods that are good for their constitution but if you came to me and you had you know you were completely out of balance you start with the season or you start with what's out of balance and then you would start with certain foods or certain practices to get things kind of in line and then you would move into what would be for your whole person to keep you in balance. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So interesting. And yes, (laughs) I just, I love that you've got this background of like a chef and this Ayurvedic um, background, you know, they they seem to like marry each other so well, especially when it comes to like the nutrition and not just about the nutrition in the foods, but like the tastes are so important too, which is really interesting. Um, so you told us a little bit about your transition from chef to Ayurvedic chef. Can you tell us about how you became an herbalist?
1: You know, somewhere, and I was going to mention this earlier as we were talking, but somewhere along the way I heard, and I don't remember where, or I read that food is medicine
2: Mm. and
1: medicine is food. Mm -hmm. And with proper food, you don't need medicine and the it's i mean somewhere i can't remember exactly where i saw that but um that always kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. you know um and that's sort of like the basis of of how i see um treating people yes mm-hmm. there are herbs that are good for that are considered good for cancer and you know arthritis and so forth but it's really you always start with food
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: food has the same energies that is in in herbs herbs are mm-hmm. food and food is herbs um, so, the, what happened is when um, when you go to a specific school, whether you go to Chinese medical school or you go to Ayurvedic medical school, you learn about their herbs. So, I graduated uh, with a degree in with herbs from the Ayurvedic school, and you know somewhere along the way. So, in Ayurveda, I don't know how much you know about this, but in Ayurveda true Ayurvedic herbs are usually powders. Mm. So you, you can take capsules or tablets, but many times, uh, are just powders you put in water, in hot water and make a tea. And for many people, it's hard. Like if I wrote you a prescription for something that was going on with you, you know, you might be very excited about it. And, um, many people get to learn to, to, to to love their herbs but many people can't stomach them Mm. this is my belief that people are not as compliant that's why Mm. people take so many capsules Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) because
1: it's easier to be compliant but you have to take so many capsules to get the amount of herb in you Mm
2: -hmm. so what happened
1: was that i met someone my mentor and one of my teachers in ayurvedic school and he had gone off in this direction with another herbalist who owned a herbal college in oregon and they had a two-year program where you became certified in chinese western Mm. and ayurvedic herbs Mm. so of course i already had my herbal basis but so i went to that that school for two years Mm. and then the american Mm. herbalist guild is an organization that basically certifies or registers herbalists you have to go through this this pretty long process it's really a long process but most of these sort of things are as you already know probably yeah to get to get certified and today if you um in my pharmacy i have probably 150 herbs i keep in stock you know probably at least half about half of them are now western herbs because i it's i find that it's easier to make someone a tea like when you go you know when you see you know, peppermint tea, and the little leaf is in the little bag. You know, um, I make more Western teas for people. It's easier for people to compliant with them. They taste, you can make them taste better with all the same actions. And so I use certain, I use Ayurvedic herbs for certain things. I use Western herbs and I use a few Chinese herbs also, but.
0: I love that. You have such a wide background of different Herbs. Well, it's
1: so interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it is.
1: I mean, if I if I could, I would go to botany school next. I mean, you know, to become an herbalist, you really are studying the herbs,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know, it's you know, there are people that's what they do their whole life. That's all mm-hmm. they do. they study botany and herbology, and um, it's so fascinating.
0: Yeah, I really admire and connect with your curiosity about the world and desire to learn about everything. I feel the same way. That's why I love doing this podcast because I get to you know learn so much from people. I know it's still a surface level, but um, you know I think there's a lot of people who are interested in, and 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 want to you know get that surface level understanding and um, kind of start to take the first steps towards you know taking responsibility for their health and seeing all the different uh, modalities that are out there. Um, so would you say the biggest difference uh with the herbs like for chinese ayurvedic or western is just kind of where they grow like chinese herbs are are more like the ones that have traditionally grown in china and ayurveda is traditionally from india are there any overlaps
1: oh god yes okay you know the thing is is that we'll use something really easy or really well known as ginseng mhm you know, there's American ginseng, there's Chinese ginseng, there's um, uh, Indian ginseng, there's Siberian ginseng. These are all the same. You know, they have the same breakdowns in them, um, but some are more powerful than others. Like pure Chinese is probably considered to be the most premier one. But like, for instance, I use, um, you know, um, a type of ginseng, and a lot of my um, ginseng is considered adaptogenic mm-hmm.
2: adaptogenic
1: are herbs that mm-hmm. are uh that treat kind of the whole body and mind by what the body needs i i i'm not sure if you know about adaptogens but um
0: i think it's kind it, of a buzzword right now yeah. so i'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about it
1: well the thing is with adaptogens is they can there are many 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 herbs that are considered adaptogens um, some are considered, uh, stimulating. Some are considered calming, some are considered balancing. Um, there's just different ones and, and many of them like Tulsi or mm-hmm. ashwagandha, you know, rudelio, there's ones that are kind of, um, that a lot of people are used to seeing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or ginseng, you know, but it's, they're not well understood about what they do you mm-hmm. know, like if if you have something going on with you, it will build that part of you. It will help that part of it. It's kind of a they're they're very powerful in that sense.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
1: the thing about herbs is, you know, and this is this is why I'm here for myself is that you know I come from this very um place of doing everything two hundred percent and The outside world and stimulation and you know but really what we're talking about is nature you know it ayurveda is the oldest known medical science known to man right so when you learn about ayurveda it can seem very strict when you go to like to ayurvedic school you know but in today's world someone like me you have to take ayurveda and bring it into the 21st century it's like making people try to take you know herbs that are so bitter that they're not going to do it And mm-hmm. you know what i mean or you have to bring your knowledge of nature you know to, to people so um i think nature is such a big word even in the you know even the, in the 21st century with everything we have around us that we're so overly stimulated all the time you know, computers and, you know, everything We're just so stimulated uh, with access to information. But, you know, you can still do that and then be in nature.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You just have to make yourself go out in nature
2: mm-hmm. and
1: remember, you know, to breathe and to look at the colors and look at, like right now it's beginning of spring, mm-hmm. right? Or the first day of spring is on, oh, tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, no, uh, on, uh, Saturday?
1: Saturday, Saturday, yeah. so, you know, uh, just go out, to, just go to the farmer's market and walk around
2: mm-hmm. and
1: look at all the asparagus and green vegetables coming back instead of all the heavy squashes. And, you know, I think there's a lot of ways for us to connect with, with our true selves. And that's what Ayurveda believes that we are spirit. We are all spirit and you have to connect with that spirit. And when you forget that that connection with spirit is when things start happening.
2: <laughs> mhm.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know we were talking about something earlier off the podcast and I sometimes get that feeling of like I am, you know, I I need to come back to my nature, I need to come back to my spirit, I need to come back to my true self and I definitely think that um we were talking about yoga nidra in a different podcast that helps me, but just being out in nature too like what we were talking about, like you're saying, you know, just taking a walk somewhere beautiful or, you know, eating whole foods. There's so many different ways, the sounds of nature, right? There's so many different ways to kind of let my body and my spirit absorb that nature element, even when I'm, yeah, well, so-
1: also, you know, taking your kids hands and walking, you know, taking a walk and introducing, you know, just, you know, yesterday we were watching, did you ever see the the biggest little farm the documentary the biggest little farm no it's about this couple that bought a farm up in moore park california Mm -hmm. uh 200 acres and it was dead the earth was dead and it it's over seven years this this document i'm going to send you the link for this
0: i would love to oh
1: my god it's just so amazing you know um watching mother nature come back to life and how they brought this farm back to life and Mm. all their animals and all the problems and the pests and the, it's just, you know, I mean, there's so many ways to connect, Mm
2: -hmm. you know, in,
1: in yoga and in Ayurveda, you know, there are very specific things that are talked about in how you connect with yourself. But, you know, part of it is that You know, you can find your true self in there's in yoga, if you've ever heard the word tapas, Mm
2: -hmm. tapas
1: Tapas is like the burning desire. Now, yogis will say that that burning desire is how you bring that, that burning desire into your physical practice. Mm -hmm. But I think that it has a bigger meaning than that. Mm. You know, maybe you're a photographer, maybe you're a chef, maybe, how do you, how do you bring um, that, energy that creativity into your spiritual life and your spiritual life can be more than you know counting mala beads and chanting and
0: Mm -hmm. it's a passion a a creativity yeah Mm -hmm. i think
1: there's a lot of ways for people to ayurveda is just you know i've never found anything that is just so um it it touches everything you Mm -hmm. know your life physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually.
0: I remember when I first started working with this Ayurvedic specialist and she started talking about my dosha, which happens to be quite Vata um, dominant with some Pitta and not a lot of Kapha and um, just the things she was saying just about how it matched my physical appearance. But it was so on point with like my mental energy too. like it, w- it was just like, yes, 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 yes. That was the first that was when I was hooked on Ayurveda when I just realized how true it was for me and like you said in all different ways not only my body my mind my spirit um everything you know my ways of thinking so i i i love that about your It It just feels so true to me like you said and just very like all-encompassing
1: you know it also changes your relationship with other people because
0: mm.
1: you know once you learn about like you realize your vataness, right mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, there's different levels of botanist, you know, there are some people that that are vata that can't focus on anything, their mind is working so quickly, that they have trouble staying anywhere in the moment or finishing any kind of conversation or remembering anyone's name, you know, and so once you meet someone, or you know, other people like that, you understand them more, you know, or kapha, you know, like, um, for me, um, you know, each of the doshas, I'm pitta vata.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like 65% pitta, 25% vata, and the remainder kapha.
0: Right? That's so, that 200%, right? <laughs> that pitta. Well,
1: yeah, it's, you know, like I'm really focused and organized mm-hmm. and, you know, I do everything. It's important to complete everything. You know, each of the doshas has um, characteristics, but once you learn about them, my, um my, each of the doshas, then you can be much more forgiving of other people,
2: Mm.
1: you know, in relationships, you know, like a kapha person are very, kapha is water and earth element. So they're very heavy and wet. So if you think of that kind of person, they can be larger, heavy, slow, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: very um, uh, loving, but hard to make a decision and very hard, hard to move, right? Mm-hmm. It can be very challenging for, let's say, a Pitta person that has, you know, let's make a decision and let's go right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um,
2: so yeah. Ayurveda,
1: Ayurveda is just, it's amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, how just by you understanding yourself, how you can understand everyone else and and, and their true natures.
0: Absolutely. And I just was thinking when you were saying that, too, as a mother and as a teacher, because I also teach young children um, that it's so I never thought about it. Really, I do think about my own children, but not so much with like the students I teach. But, you know, everyone learns differently. It's kind of like those different learning styles. You know, I have those kids like those Vatas who are learning things quick, but maybe forgetting them and hard to focus. And then there's the Kapha ones who maybe take a little bit longer to get it. But then once they get it, they're holding on to it. Right. Yeah. And then I got the pit of overachievers. So it, it's yeah, it's kind of a nice it, way right. to think about it as a teacher, too.
1: <laughs> you got it right there. And it's challenging. You have to be patient. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I had a girlfriend that was very kapha and, you know, I was like, you know, three miles ahead trying to plan everything and get everything going. And then, you know, she would want to stop and think about everything for a few days and mm-hmm. It's challenging and then uh, it's funny because then I got into Ayurveda and then I understood afterwards that that was just, that's her nature, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Maybe it doesn't work, right, uh, Mm -hmm. for me, but um, you can be much more forgiving, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, realize everyone's got their own uh, way of operating that works for them.
1: It's so amazing when, you know, Ayurveda and yoga, like, I said we're our sister sciences. They were first mentioned in the Vedas. The Vedas, if you don't know, are the first documents of India.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: six thousand five hundred years ago. This, the, these two were mentioned in the Rig Veda together, Yoga and Ayurveda, because they shared this Sankhya philosophy, uh, which believe is is based in the five elements. Um, you know, it's just fascinating when you think of something that old. Mm-hmm. And then here we are,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: 2021.
0: Yeah, it's been working for people for a long time. If They keep doing it, right?
1: Have you ever been to India?
0: I haven't, but I would love to go. And, and, and later on in the podcast, that was one of my questions for you. Uh, is about um, like where you've traveled and, and share with us. Do you want to talk a little bit to India now?
1: Sure. I, um, I love India. I've been to India, I think seven times, seven oh, wow. times, and originally I went there because as an Iyengar teacher, you, well, when Mr. Iyengar was, uh, it's still, it's still um, ex- ex- expected, but when he was alive and his daughter were alive, who really ran Iyengar, now the granddaughter and the, one of the sons is in charge of it. We were expected to go to India every couple of years.
0: Mm-hmm. I between- think it's the same with Ashtanga, right? If you're like a true Ashtanga teacher.
1: I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would be, have to go to Pune for mm. between four weeks and eight weeks. We could decide how long we wanted to stay and study with them. And every time, the fr- you know, every time, you know, it's such a big, a big um, trip. You know, it takes mm-hmm. 25 hours to get there there it's like a huge trip and Mm -hmm. and India can be challenging it's always challenging India Mm -hmm. is always a challenge because we're all used to this you know let's have it right now and you know there it's like you know as soon as you step off the plane the first time I stepped off the plane and I put my foot on the ground I knew that something was going to be different I just knew it because of the you know the history and so forth and so and I've gone there a lot um And what I started doing is that every time I went to India, I would go one or two other places because it's such a huge place. And so I've traveled around most of India over the years, but in the past, let's say four years, last year doesn't count because I didn't take, I take a group to uh, India each year for what's called Panchakarma, Mm. uh, which is the detoxification. Um, Last year we had to cancel, of course, but... Uh, really for the last four years because of pollution, I have been just going to Kerala. I'd go to Pune to study for a couple of weeks, but then go directly down to Kerala, which is down near the tip of India. It's the last state, uh, you know, where the tip of India is at the bottom of the country, which it's much, uh, you know, India is plagued with a few things and and, um, pollution. You know in the cities in Mm. delhi and so forth it's pretty overwhelming wow it's pretty overwhelming i'm not trying to talk anyone out of going no yeah you know but you know it's a different country you know they still burn their garbage Mm. right i mean there's smoke you know that's one of the things you realize when you go there is you smell that smoke Mm. people burn their garbage they don't have garbage trucks driving down the street there
0: yeah it does seem definitely like a, like a culture shock for it's a culture Western shock,
1: people. But it's very colorful. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's amazing about India are the people. Um, just unbelievable. I mean, yes, I'm, there's corruption there. Um, but for the most part, people are so grounded and spiritual. And um, so, yeah, I've traveled. I've gotten to travel all over. Beautiful. But, well,
0: yeah. You mentioned Panchakarma. So that was one of my questions and something I'm curious about. Can you tell us what Panchakarma is?
1: Panchakarma means the five actions and Panchakarma would be called the Ayurvedic detoxification and rejuvenation practice. Now again, you always have to remember when you talk about Ayurveda, how old it is. Mm-hmm. You know, So these five actions that are done in the body, um, for the most part, they, they're not done um, all the time anymore because there's more health and so forth. Um, what happens is that there are two main times of year which you, you do. You can do it anytime, but there are two main times when you usually do it. And one is right now during the spring. So as you leave the winter, the wet, the heavy, the stagnant months, you know, you maybe have accumulated weight in your body, some uh, allergens, there's. Allergies in the air being in spring, you would want to cleanse all that out. So, this is like the premier time to do it, like in the springtime. The other time is in the fall mm-hmm. when you're leaving the heat of summer, you know, um, the humidity and so forth, you want to cleanse. Um, so, what it is, it's a process that for the most part takes 10 days. Um, most if you went to India to have it done. Um, You know you can find shorter uh, cleanses to do, but you there's three parts to it. There's the pre cleanse where you're let's say reducing. So let's say if you were going to do a ten day cleanse, maybe the first three days or four days, you would stop eating you know animal products, cheese, uh, sugar, caffeine. You start reducing things out of your regular diet, and then there's a four or five day period where you do. Um, so the idea in Panchakarma is you want to move all of the toxins out of your extremities, right? Which move through the lymphatic system, right? um, Which is kind of the the sewer system in the body um, for the blood and cells. And then it goes, the lymphatic system goes back to your heart and then it goes out through purgation or elimination. So during five days, the next five days, what you would do is you, um, you you eat certain foods, you take certain herbal medicines, and you have uh, physical therapies done to you, which is called Abhyanga. Mm. Abhyanga is a massage that's done. It's a synchronized massage. In India, there's two people doing it to you, and the synchronized moves the toxins out of the extremities. Um, you know, but you, you can do you can do minor cleanses at home. You can do Abhyanga to yourself and. So there's a few practices that are done uh, to clear the nasal passages. You know, in the the old days um, there was bloodletting done uh, because of heavy metals in India. Um, There's rejuvenation. uh, So it's it's really kind of a, a, uh, in India, I take people to a place in Kerala for two weeks and Mm. we have, it's in a resort in a hospital and it's right on the ocean. And every day you have, two uh, hours of body therapies done to you. So for instance, let's say that you have skin issues or let's say your eyes, you're having eye issues uh, or you're overheated or you have uh, whatever it is, when you do Panchakarma, you identify what's out of balance and then that's what you treat because Mm -hmm. there are many body therapies, there's different herbs and so forth you use to help you, right, uh, to bring yourself back into balance. Um, so then in the, in the end of the panchakarma, you rehydrate yourself, you rejuvenate yourself. Um, so it's just beautiful. It's Mm. a beautiful process. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can, it's expensive. It's expensive to do in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive. Um, you know, I do a home cleansing for people here Mm -hmm. where you do it, you go home, but you only, you come here for the initial uh consultation and learning how to cook the kitchari because during Mm -hmm. this whole thing you're eating certain foods Mm -hmm. and um but then you just come for the body working depending Mm -hmm. on what you need Mm -hmm. which includes you know abhyanga or shiradhara and you probably know what that is the warm oil over the Mm -hmm. forehead have you
2: ever heard Mm -hmm. of that Mm yeah
1: um you know let's say you're having heart problems you know in india you you take garbanzo bean flour and you make something called a basti right you can put it on your eyes you can put it on the it depends where you need it in your body mm. and so let's say if it's a heart basti it goes over your heart and then you're lying on a table and a medicated oil or ghee is poured into this this little dough dam. Mm. or in your eyes. It's, I have it done to my eyes because I'm a Pitta person and I have a lot of fire there, but there's different, it just depends on what's out of balance for you. Mm. There's, you know, herbal scrubs, there's flower baths. There's all this fantastic fun stuff, Steams, you know. So that's what Panchakarma is. It's meant to bring you back into balance
0: awesome so um a listener we're going to talk about your website later at the end of the podcast but so it sounds to me like you offer local people and you're in los angeles i know um like a an experience of how to do it um by themselves at home and you also guide people to india once a year to to do the process
1: yeah and you know in may i'm doing a home because of COVID. even Mm -hmm. though many of us have been you know vaccinated Right I'm offering a home mm. um, where uh, a home cleanse for eight days, uh, which will I'm going to do it in May, so it's just being prepared right now, which is much less expensive and I mm. send everyone all the products, and mm. then it's guided. you know I, you know there's a a daily yoga practice, you know, a video to follow. there's prana, you know pranayama practice, there's a meditation practice there's so it's completely guided. Mm. Um, for eight days and people can do one at home
0: because no one's
1: going anywhere to do it right now.
0: Right. And 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 then the beauty of that is like now anybody can work with you if they're in New York or Oregon or London. Right. I mean, anybody could do this with you because it's distance. Yeah, Yeah. that's really cool. That's what that's one of the silver linings of this whole thing, I think, is I love connecting people like from all over the world um, in these practices Um, So another thing, and I I don't know if this goes along with the the massage piece you were talking about, but I know you also specialize in marma therapy. Can you speak to what that is?
1: Marma would be, the simplest way to explain it is pressure points in the body. Mm. There's 128 points in the body. And in Ayurveda, um, they are, uh, and they're connected to the physical, the mental, the emotional realms in your body. So for instance, if the, I had someone here the other day that had a frozen shoulder, there are certain pressure points related to nerves in the body that when you use pressure or a tuning fork, or you can use uh, musical notes, like you can, I, I do singing bowl mm. <laughs> um, uh, therapies. You can actually put a singing bowl on someone because all of these points are connected in the body. So Marma, the thing that's interesting about Marma is that when you have a massage and when you practice yoga, you don't know you're doing this, but you are acti- actually activating these Marma points. Mm. But when someone does a Marma therapy on you, let's say you have the frozen neck or something, we can we use massage and Marma points to open that up.
2: Mm.
1: Now, most people can relate to this because 85, of the 128 marma points, 85 of those points are the same as acupuncture. Mm. But we don't use needles. Mm-hmm.
0: Right?
1: We don't use needles.
0: But it, I guess acupressure is when you kind of press on those points, right? Yeah. So- um... yeah.
1: you use it. There's a certain, you know, you ha- you. it's a long to, to learn it. I mean, I'm still learning it, you mm-hmm. know, um, like anything, you know, it's a constant uh, education you know, people will come and, you know, they'll have something specific going on and I'll, you know, figure out a sequence. I mean, when you do an abhyanga massage to people, a full body massage with oil, that's what abhyanga is, the lymphatic, you are hitting the marma points, but if you had a specific place that you needed help, you would identify the marma points and you hold them
2: Mm. for,
1: you know, maybe for about two seconds, three seconds at each point. Mm which opens,
0: opens Okay, so so I know since you were talking about like people aren't really coming in to have treatments done, are you able to do it like virtually like this? Like we could talk, like I could do my own points if you helped guide me?
1: Well, uh, actually I am seeing people now. Oh, okay. I am, you know, I just have, my requirement is that people uh, get tested within seven days. Mm which is okay. pretty simple now.
0: Yeah, you know? oh, yeah.
1: It's really simple. So if people are willing to go get a test, I've already been vaccinated. So, Yeah. But, you know, what happens with certain people is that, you know, everything is individualized. Like, you know, you might, a client might say, look, look at, I need, um, I have this back issue. I need a sequence, right? And so during COVID, you know, if it wasn't COVID, that clients would come over for a private and we would do a yoga sequence and I would take their picture doing the, the sequence and then write a syllabus for them. Mm-hmm. And during COVID, it makes it more difficult. You can actually do it like we could do it right here.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: could show you how to do something, then you can do it and I could take your a screenshot, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. send you a syllabus. It's the same with Marma. Marma's is hard because you have to find the correct it's it'd be mm-hmm. hard to show you. There's a few very obvious ones, you know, the third eye, the crown between the nose, you know, the the corners of the eyes. Mm. But when you get into the back and so forth or it you know, people can't access a lot of them but
0: mm, yeah. Yes, you
1: can. You you, you can.
0: Okay, excellent. Yeah, cuz I was just thinking even not covid but like if you were working with someone who maybe wasn't local. Um, you could do that.
1: I have clients in New York and Florida Mm -hmm. and I send them, I do the research and I find a body worker to send them to. Mm. So I do, I do that with people and they use me as their main person. And then, you know, I'll write a little protocol and they, I can send them off to a.
0: Right. Oh, that's really cool. I hadn't even thought about that. That's great. So creative. (laughs) You have shared so many practical takeaways and tips for my listener. You've explained um, so well about Ayurveda, Marma, therapy, Pantakarma. Um, Do you have any other practical tips or takeaways for my listener before we say goodbye?
1: Well, if this resonates with you, speaking to there's Betty again. Hi, Betty. (laughs) I would tell... a listener to, if this resonates with you and you're interested, you know, if you've been practicing yoga and you hear people talking about Ayurveda, that it's kind of the next step of awareness, Mm. right? So whether it would be with me or someone else to get an evaluation. Evaluations are, for instance, evaluations with me are take two appointments. They're four hours of time That we spent together two hours the first for the evaluation and then two hours for the for the report um it's well worth the time Mm -hmm. the money um to understand this nature it doesn't mean that you have to jump into this and you know start practicing all this stuff but you know once you understand what your true nature is then things will start little bits in time start making sense so i would say to try to find a practitioner you know, for instance, with me to do a, a full evaluation is two hundred ninety five dollars. That 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 includes evaluating doing a food journal, evaluating all medicines, evaluating uh, all blood work in your every med- Western medical thing, every supplement that you're taking. Mm. It's a very um, in depth kind mm-hmm. of evaluation, and from that comes a report in writing that says. An Ayurvedic standpoint, this is what would be recommended for you to bring yourself back into balance. And then, you know, people know they have that information. What they do with it is it doesn't mean they have to, you know, run off to India and go to a Punch of Karma Center for a month. It I I just think that, you know, one of the things that happens if you get evaluated, if you do an evaluation with someone. Is that you become more aware of what would be more holistic, what is natural, what's unnatural? You know, like people will walk in to to my appointment, to the appointment with me, and they'll have a shopping bag full of vitamins and supplements. And you know, um, I'll ask them, "Well, who told you to take this? Why are you taking vitamin K? Why are you taking zinc? Why are you taking magnesium in these amounts?" And they'll say, "I don't know, my." girlfriend told me it was a good idea, you know, instead of like, one of the things is I try to get my clients to, um, submit a blood test. You know, if you go to your doctor and get your yearly blood test and you say, look at, I want the full spectrum. I want to know every vitamin, every amino acid, you know, they'll do that for Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. unless you have to ask for it, then, you know, right off the bat what your calcium levels are, what your magnesium levels are and so forth. And then, you know, let's say something is not correct. You could probably just eat the proper food. Mm -hmm. I think it's so much can be done by the diet to begin with.
0: So I like your recommendation of the initial screening and you mentioned, you know, $295 or something like that. I think that's less than I paid for my initial Appointment when I first started working with an Ayurvedic specialist and it was so life changing. It like you said it was so it was like this new level of awareness for me where now I could see where my balance was and she made a few little recommendations and I kept working with her and I love that she just gave me like little pieces of homework that were just digestible little pieces every time. The great part about working with her was that it just. It wasn't overwhelming, you know, so that's why I decided to keep seeing her. Um, But yeah, just that first consultation was so eye-opening. And like you said too about, yeah, the supplements, do I need to be taking all of these supplements? Maybe there's something else that I need or, you know, different ways of of getting those things in my body, so. You know, and it
1: goes to the, the opposite side too, right? So people, you know, you know how much protein an adult human is supposed to be eating every day
0: it's like the size of your fist or something i'm not sure
1: no that's it's like it's like maybe three ounces a day oh wow you know but we all over you know we want to be thinner so we're not eating carbohydrates you're Mm -hmm. eating you know mass of proteins Mm -hmm. it's just it's so interesting and Mm -hmm. i'm not saying i'm any different in these belief systems but it's so interesting to just start to explain some of this to people like you know four ounces of protein a day that's nothing that's yeah. less than a chicken breast
0: every right. day, right is that I a mean... quarter pounder <laughs> four ounces <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly without <Yeah>. the cheese <laughs> <laughs> yeah not that yeah. not that we're recommending eating a quarter pounder that's just what i think that's what i'm visualizing when i think four ounces a quarter pound uh you know, yeah
2: different
1: practitioners i know most of the practitioners that are my Peer, they're much more expensive than i am Mm -hmm. and they do half as much as i do
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and nothing against them it's just that, you know i i like to do everything like complete so like you know analyzing people's supplements and so forth is not something that that's usually a separate appointment but i like to give people all their information to what to work with and a lot of the people i deal with are more the yogis Mm -hmm. i mean really I'm more based in yoga and a lot of the people that come to me are, you know, are, are yogis that, you know, maybe don't have tremendous amount of resources.
0: So Mm, yeah, Yeah. the yogis, I know the yoga teachers, (laughs) we like a lot of times I know don't get paid what we should I guess <laughs> um, yeah, especially
2: me right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so thank you so much for sharing all that um, how can my listener find you
1: well you can always google Jeff Perlman the name of my clinic and company is called Three Seasons Ayurveda I'm in Santa Monica and I have a full website
0: great um, I'll link the, the website
1: plus I'm now going to be on Wellville's...
0: uh, Woo! We're so excited (laughs) to have you.
1: (laughs) And yeah, so you can, but you can also Google me.
0: Um, Great. Awesome. Well, I will link that and um, Facebook. Should I link Facebook?
1: Sure. You know, if people find my website, um, I offer a free 30 minute uh, initial consultation to, you know, answer questions and so forth. So it's very open. You know, you'd find that on the front page of my website. I offer, you know, free um, classes on IRV each month, once a month. Um,
0: oh, exciting! So you have a, do you have a newsletter that listeners can sign up for when they go I to do. your website?
1: That's also right next to little box. It says schedule your phone call, your free phone call. Yeah, I no, I have a it. newsletter. I send out two a month, and um, they're they're based on what's happening right there and the seasons first you know like there's one coming out on the next one's April 1st and it's on s- spring and detox Ayurveda spring detox
0: Excellent. So, Well, thank you so much, Jeff. You are like an absolute wealth of knowledge. I mean, from your chef background to your Ayurveda to Iyengar, I have such a, um, I mean, I have a high respect for all yoga teachers, yogis, practitioners, but to me, Iyengar has definitely like a, a high level of respect because like you said, there's so much training that goes involved. There's such an understanding of anatomy you know, from my understanding, the yoga therapist and, you know, uh, those that are, you know, really trained to help like in a physical therapy type of situation where someone has an injury, it's always Iyengar. That's what comes up to me. So um, I just have such a reverence for you and your knowledge and background. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. And I have so much more in my mind. So what I like to say to my guests is until next time, because I really look forward to chatting again another time.
1: Okay, it'll be my pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. To learn more about today's guest and a wide range of other wellness professionals, please visit our global wellness community at wellville.com. W-E-L-V-I-L dot com. I look forward to meeting you next time on the road to Wellville.